Hey guys, welcome to episode two of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Combo number five, and my fellow host is the Grook of our playgroup, Big Tuck. Big Tuck, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Mr. Combo. I'm doing really well, thanks. It's a beautiful day here in Kansas City, so... Yeah, uh, right. Right. Talk through this deck. Yeah, you know, I, I'm very excited considering when we did our last podcast to this one. The weekend is actually not as hot. Yes, it's something that us big guys call manageable. <laughs> so thanks for tuning into our podcast, and this was only able to happen by our awesome producer Squee McGee and his production company Rich Chaos Records here in Kansas City. And also, I want to do a huge shout out for the music provided in this episode by Pink Royal. Squee, how you doing, buddy? Doing great here. What's good in the hood? What's just, good in the hood? Gosh. Are we talking about the Lee hood? What, what? Uh, so, Big Tuck, one thing we didn't talk about in our initial no. episode, because there was just too much to talk about, was each brew and build, we kind of want to talk about games that we play each week, because we did mention our last episode, our playgroup's gotten massive. Yeah. So, we actually played at your casa last yeah. week. So, just curious, was there any the game that pen. stuck out to your head? There wasn't that many that were super exciting, except for the last one, where we grinded out that five-player plane chase. Oh, God. And we have a... The visions are yeah. coming back. Oh, it was brutal. So, one of the guys in our player group shout out to davis he has some pretty janky decks that we kind of put together for yeah, him yep and they just performed like crazy so for those who aren't aware plane chase is a variant format we don't really need to get into that but in the single course of a game he headshotted me for 50 some odd points yep, of damage consuming aberration, yeah, with, consumer aberration um, with a plane chase that said whenever a creature enters the battlefield yeah. you may have it deal damage to target creature or player there. to its power and being five person play chase there were 50 yeah. creatures in all the great and consuming aberration has a couple abilities but its power and toughness is based by the amount of cards and opponent's abilities yep. so when it entered the battlefield it checks so yeah I think he hit me for like 52 something like so that. that so that was pretty cool and then he actually ended up winning it with the same deck when he did that, there's a card, Grizzly Spectacle, mm -hmm. two colorless, black, black, destroy target, non-black creature, and then the opponent mills equal to the creature's power toughness, I don't remember offhand, but it was down to the wire, a guy had a mono green deck, was blasting him in the face, did this crazy board shenanigans, had a 25-25 champion of Lambolt, Davis hit him with that, milled him out for the rest of the game, and the guy extended the hand like a pro. So that was, that was pretty cool to see like that sort of interaction, see one of Davis's decks really take off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I will say, you know, we do want to give a shout out, you know, we have no clue oh, really when yeah. you guys are going to be listening to this episode, but give a shout out to the guy that was playing that mono green deck yep. is Forrest Wang, who's one of our buddies. He's actually in Barcelona right now for the Mythic Championships. Unfortunately, he does not qualify yep. for Richmond, but I will say this, man, as of mid this morning, I don't know what his final record, I think his final record is 10 and 6, Something yeah, like I think that. That's right. But something that me and Big Tuck don't do is play modern oh, no. or any of that kind of stuff. So I had no idea because you know he had sent us a message saying, "Hey guys, I'm two and four in draft, but I was seven and one in modern." Yeah, which is insane. And I was like, "Holy balls! You mean you're seven and one in the main event?" And he's like, "No, no, no. It's a combination it's a combo, yeah, event." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I really think overall he probably ended the event eight and two yeah probably nine and one and modern which he crushed that's just, it that's just domination and he knows he did a lot of research he's only been playing new magic recently for not that long i yeah. think so it's pretty great to see someone that we see often yep. top eight at a regional event and move on and do really good things so yeah, yeah. big shout out to forrest yeah absolutely so for me the game that stuck out to me the most was my gisa and garolf zombie debt game it was the first one that i played when i got to your house yep. to give you guys some context gisa and garolf i believe it's two colorless uh demir demir 
yep. blue black. It's a human, and when they enter the battlefield, you mill the top four, but they allow you to play one zombie card out of your graveyard per your turn. Yep. And so I had that, and I had Undead Alchemist out, which is a blue zombie that says whenever your zombies deal combat damage, that opponent mills instead that many cards off the top of their library. Yes. And whenever a creature card would enter their graveyard, you get a 2-2 zombie token. So I had that, and I had like Lord of the Accursed that was buffing my other zombies, and I had, you know, maybe five zombie tokens. It was a pretty good board. Like, it, you kept, it kept, like, you didn't yeah, really it, have that much, and then you kept going and going and going it, and going, and you're like... It looked good. Yeah. But <laughs> then, good. this douche to my right, he ends up reigns of powering me while he has an Altar of Dementia on the board, and if you guys aren't familiar with Altar of Dementia, it's an instant speed, sacrifice a creature, target player mills that many cards off the top of their library. Yeah, the creature's so power, yeah, yeah. He, he ends up using that as a combo, sacking the zombie tokens into me. I put more zombies into the graveyard. He created more zombie <laughs> tokens, and so he actually ended up decking out two of his three yep. opponents in that one turn. And then I think he eventually he did beat our buddy Davis that yep. we alluded to earlier. Yeah, he just uh, got in, in the final stretch. Big so time. yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, and and it was funny because I always bitch about my zombie deck being like, oh, I hate this thing. Why do I have it? It's like, well, I need a Demir deck. Yeah, so I guess no, I'll play. No, it. you need you just put it in an Alter Dimension. You can do that every time. So. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like combos. That's not oh, in my name. Oh yeah. Oh, man. So anyways, guys, that was kind of some memorable games we had from last Sunday. We're going to have some awesome ones tomorrow. Definitely tweaked a few of my decks over the last week, so I'm excited to ramrod my opponents. Uh, But moving on, Brews and Builds is our deck tech series. It's all about the decks that Big Tuck and I have and that Path to 32, which to re-educate everyone is having one deck of every single color combination plus colorless. Each podcast, we're going to talk about one of our Path to 32 decks, but in a cool manner of brewing beers. So we kind of broke it down into these four categories. The first one is ramp and just setting your board state, which we describe as the grain bill. Big Tuck, can you kind of explain what the grain bill has to do with deck building? Yeah, sure. So when you're brewing beers, shout out to Big Tuck Brewing. That's the company that I'm representing. You won't find us on Instagram. <laughs> anyway, um, pretty much when you're brewing a beer, you're, the first thing that goes into it is your grains. It's your it's malt, it's barley, a bunch of different things. And that kind of sets the tone for the beer in itself. itself. It's obviously required, but there's usually some combination of base malts, which in this case could be base ramp like a ramp with growths and you know soul rings and that sort of stuff but then you can start to tune how your beer is going to come out later with just the grains which again there's just your malts and barley Cool. And so then the next one is going to be, how does your board interact with the rest of the board? Once you've ramped and you've set your board state, how do you make sure opponents to the left, right, and across from you aren't just going to destroy everything you're doing? We're calling that the hop profile. Big Tuck, what does hop profile have to do with deck building? Yeah, hops are just bittering agents. So every beer has them. Other beers have a bunch of different varieties and they kind of give the little bite that you have in beer. You know, the little thing that sits on your mouth. I think this is probably your least favorite ingredient when you're oh, drinking God. a beer. Hop, hop is, so if you guys didn't listen to the first yeah. podcast, which you really should, I hate beer with a passion. Hop is my number one yep. enemy next to... Uh, just beers in general. Just beers in general, yeah. yeah. So anyways, every beer has them, but it kind of gives the beer the distinct taste on the palate. Cool. And then our third category is going to be, how does your deck actually close out or win? That's something that whenever you're building a deck, unfortunately, a lot of EDH players that I've seen in the wild and even in our play group, they're playing a game where... uh, two hours in and it's like, dude, I can't do anything. How are you going to win? Yep. And they're just like, oh, I got no idea. So we're going to call that the yeast profile yep. or yeast package. So what does yeast have to do? Yeah, yeast. So yeast are microorganisms that eat the sugar in, in the 
first stage of the brewing process. And they give the beer its carbonation. They give it a lot of its flavor, kind of give it that final pop. Again, it's one of the required ingredients, but it's really a good way that you can kind of change the way a beer finishes off. Cool. And then to kind of finish off the deck building aspect of it, we do have our pet cards or synergies that are in a deck that are just fun. Things that, you know, if you're building a cycling tribal deck, maybe it has nothing to do with cycling. You're just like, I really love this card and I think it's hilarious. Yep. Uh, so we kind of put that into a spice package, which kind of confused me when Big Tuck explained it to me from a brewing perspective. So Big Tuck could explain what spice package has to do with deck building. Yeah, definitely. In the brewing world, they call these more additives, but that doesn't sound very good. So we went with spice. This could be a some chili powder if you want to make a spicy beer. This could be some cocoa powder if you're trying to make uh, something more of like a chocolate porter. Just the last things that you put in after the beer's already brewed and fermenting to give it that last kick. So, so you mean the kind of beers that I like to drink that have grapefruit and fruity things? Yes, this would be the spice yes, package. So I am absolutely. all for this. Yes, okay. definitely. And then to cap it off, guys, we're going to have the bottle capping, which is just Big Tucks and I's opinions on what's really going on in the world of magic. It could be new sets coming out, that goddamn ban list that came out, <laughs> uh, or, or really anything that we feel in the world of magic. I mean, heck, in a year, we'll probably be talking about the Netflix show yeah, that's coming yeah, out. Yeah, totally. Uh, so that'll just kind of give us our, our piece, because you know what? We know that there's a lot of podcasts out there that talk about the changes in the world for hour, two hours long. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not wanting to do that to you guys. You know, we know that we're probably your 13th listened podcast and uh, <laughs> iTunes or whatever. But, you know, we just want to give you our thoughts because we do think they are unique to some extent. And going back to the additives and chocolate stout, I'm about to open one right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, guys, without further ado, let, let's just get brewing. Yeah. So our first episode was, uh, what, what was the name of the deck? Oh, man. I'd have to look it up now. Uh, it, was, uh, it was like Prosh, Sky Raider, something, something. Uh, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to work here anymore. Uh, playing with tokens, Prosh. There we go. There it is, yeah. Uh, so my my deck tech for this episode is going to be the very first deck that I built. That's kind of how we wanted to yep. do these first two episodes. Give you guys some insight into how Big Tuck and I think about EDH, where we really started from, and his history of getting into it, which was China, big red afro guy, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that. That whole story. Uh, uh, mine was actually visiting Big Tuck in Chicago. I think I was there for work. He said, hey, come over. We're going to order a bunch of pizzas. You're buying because my company was paying for it. And uh, then the good uh, old days. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> and then we're going to play some magic. And I was like, man, I haven't played magic in forever. I'm not really interested. And he's like, no, no, I think you're really going to enjoy this. So he introduced me to Commander and I got hooked from, I mean, I think we played for probably six, seven hours that yeah, night. Yeah, that was, that was uh, a grinder. Ate, ate 13 pounds of pizza, uh, <laughs> expanded my waistline five inches. Shout out to Arta Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I immediately went home and I went back to my roots. So I started playing back in 2004 and I was immediately obsessed with Angels and Elves. Yeah. It just, Angels were these big fat beaters back then that I was just like, God, nothing can stop these guys. Right. Flying, and, hard to get, always gets through damage. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times had vigilance. They sure. would have protection potentially. And then Elves it just kind of made sense. They usually cost one or two. They generated more mana. So it's like, oh, let me build my modern standard, I don't know what you call it, deck. Whatever mishmash like that was. Two, maybe, is what it was called back uh, then. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It, it was basically me, Squee McGee, and another buddy of ours that uh, still occasionally plays with us. They had played when they were kids, and so we just kind of grabbed a bunch of cards and went. And so, you know, I was like, ooh, elves that ramp, and you can cheat things out, like Elvish Piper. I'm going to build this 
elf angel standard modern deck yep. and as you can imagine i got ramrodded <laughs> left and right there's this thing you know I, I, that was kind of big back then called morphling uh, oh, that, yeah. ju- that just dominated uh there was you know those bread burn decks filled with yep, lightning bolts uh that just over dominated. and over and over again yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, i just couldn't do it so once i came back from chicago visiting big tuck i said okay i want to build a deck i want to go back to my roots that's angels and elves what commander even works for that? And uh, yeah, you know, Sigarda kind of came up, but it really had yeah. nothing to do with it. But then I saw Karametra, and I fell in love. Karametra is a creature enchantment, three colorless Silencia, which is one white, one green. And she's a 6-7 indestructible, and she's a god. And kind of the way that the old school Theros gods work is they have a thing called devotion. Devotion on Karametra, or I guess I should just say it this way. Any of the multicolored gods have to have a devotion of seven or more, and then they turn from an enchantment to a creature. Which basically, the devotion is checking the number of color symbols in the top right corner when you look at your converted mana cost. So if you have five green color symbols on the battlefield, plus Karametra's two that's seven because she does count herself she is now a six seven beater but you can still tutor for them as an enchantment or, or a creature, creature which, which is, is just, just great amazing. yeah it's they're all um i think that pretty much all of them out of that block are good yeah so well, and then the great thing about that also is when you're playing blue counter people if they try to say well i'm going to counter target non-creature spell ah technically yep. on the stack it is a creature, creature. spell you got to have a generic counter spell so so it, it's nice from that perspective but here's the reason i pick karametra i know a lot of people uh like i think it's melissa de toro uh, she's a pro magic player, works at Wizards of the Coast. On a Game Nights episode, she did her enchantment. Also, Karametra Game Nights sucks. Hey, I love Game Nights. You, you, you be, get I'm coming here. for you, Jimmy. I said it last time. I'm saying it this time. Jimmy, I'm I can't wait for, for Mulan Jimmy. to come out. Please don't hate me. I'm coming for you. <laughs> and so I think she actually, what's a very common build for Karametra is an enchantment mm-hmm. tribal. Yeah, which, sure. honestly, I feel like that's so weird because I don't feel like she has anything to do with enchantments other than a 6-7 indestructible beater. But hey, I'm, we're not here to yeah, talk about I, that. I agree with that. I think it's a weird one. I think there's better com- color combos. Yeah. There's a lot of good enchantment support in both green and white, but Karametra doesn't give you any benefits outside of just yeah. being an enchantment. So exactly. it's, it is weird that that's the common route for I, I, it. I would almost think the common route in those colors should be Sigarda because she has hexproof. Yeah, definitely. And you can't be made to sacrifice things from your opponents. That seems like a, but you know, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so the reason I pick Karametra is for her second ability. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you can tutor for a forest or plains card, keyword there, forest or, or plains, plains, not basic, yep. not land particularly, it just says card. So anything that says that forest or plains text in that box, you can go grab it and then it comes onto the battlefield tapped. And that was just perfect because these angels are big fatties. Yeah. Um, and so it really allows me to ramp quick, you know, use the elves to get to five mana by turn three most of the time. Then turn four, I'm still playing some more mid-range stuff, getting more lands out. And it almost seems like it's a lands matter, but really it's just ramping quick so I can play a seven or eight drop by potentially turn five or six. So that's pretty much the history of the deck, kind of why I picked Karametra as my commander, and then a little insight to the strategy. I've played this deck. I've seen it so many times, and I was there when you first started playing this a few times in in Chicago. I know, it's good. And the one thing I really like about it is Unlike most of your decks, there's no <laughs> super oppressive. So we were when we played on Sunday, I said, oh, you're just going to tooth and nail and go get Vorin clicks. 
And Mr. Combo said, no, it's actually not in here. And I believe I couldn't speak for at least two minutes. (laughs) So it's a deck that's kind of battle cruiser, very synergistic. So I think this deck's really great. I think it plays really well against a lot of different styles too. So I'm a big fan. For the most part, I've tried to keep it elf, angel, tribal. Mm -hmm. Now I I do break the rule there, as you'll see as we go through the deck tech and you look at the deck online. But, you know, I do try to keep it at the heart of the deck. But you know what? I'll be honest. It's not my most powerful deck. I will say it's probably one of my more consistent consistent decks. I have I no infinite that. no infinite combos. No infinite combos. Uh, I have no way to just win the game on the spot other than dealing damage. Yeah, um, that, that's just kind of what the deck does. Well, that's um, good. I think we should just get into it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So giving you guys some insight to the deck, my mana curve on it is 3.82 and if you remember from the previous episode, I did give Big Tuck a little bit of shit mm-hmm. on his Prosh deck <laughs> for having a high mana curve as well because I mean usually you want to be like a 3.2 sure. 3.3 and I'm a 3.82 plus I only run 33 lands in the deck. But I'm going to ask you uh, you have so question, Big Tuck. I was wondering about that because uh, the way that we organize it, it said there was actually only 29, and I know that there was a few others thrown in there. So. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I have some utility lands that actually fit into the grain, hop, sure, and yeah. use profile. Uh, but yeah, but you know, I have a question for you, Big Tuck. Ha- have you ever seen me have mana issues with that deck? I have not, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, either you mulligan really well, but I think, again, the consistency of the ramp package in there with the elves, there's so many of them that generate so much mana, yep. and as soon as you get Karametra out, you really don't have a problem with ramp anymore. Correct. So I think that's I have decks where I played on the lower end as well that have a lot of ways to get ramp and a lot mm-hmm. of ways to get mana out so I, well, I was first questioning that but I think it actually works pretty well in this deck yeah you know the biggest thing is you just have to make sure you shuffle well uh, granted yeah. we, we, we have a buddy that just moved to California that'll say uh, shuffling's all random it doesn't matter if you shuffle or don't shuffle disagree no matter, no matter <laughs> if shuffling matters I disagree wholeheartedly disagree but you know even if you look at my color mana curve you'll see that I actually produce more green but the cards in my deck need more white. And the reason I do that is because I need the green to get to the elves that get to Karametra because she will color fix me yeah. moving forward. From a cost perspective, the deck is north of a grand, but 70% of that is actually in three cards. One card? No, no, it's in three cards. So I have Gaia's Cradle in there, yeah. and then I do have two foil judge promos. So I think those three cards alone are 700 bucks, 800 bucks, somewhere in there. Sure. So, you know, the deck by itself, without those three things, is about a $500 deck. It's right in there. I think without further ado, let's go into to the ramp and the grain bill. Big Tuck, I kind of want to start with you. What was your first card that you wanted to talk about sure. out of that list? Talking about grains, this is the base. This is what sets the tone for the rest of the deck and the beers. There's some staples in here which we generally don't go over. So the first one that jumped out at me was Song of Fraley's. Okay. Great one. I run this in a couple decks as well. So for those playing the home game, Song of Fraley's is a two-drop enchantment. So it's a saga, if you will. Just came out here in Dominaria a set or two ago. Yep. The chapter system works on it. The first two chapters until your next turn, and these trigger on your upkeep. Creatures you control get tap, add one mana of any color. So mana fixing for days. Even turns any angels that you have into ramp. And then finally, on your third upkeep of having it out and its last triggered ability, you get a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. These creatures gain vigilance, trample, and indestructible until end of turn. I think this card synergizes with the deck. It gives you your ramp for the first two packages, for the first two upkeeps to be able to get out your big hitters, pumps them, 
makes them hard to block, gets them through, gets them indestructible. And with this enchantment, I think a lot of people, when they first look at it, they probably will skip through a removal a lot mm -hmm. because generally someone's going to use an exile enchantment for something like sure. omniscience or something along those lines. Plus, this technically kills itself after three turns. Yeah, exactly. So I think this card really works well in the deck. So that was the first one that really jumped out at me in the, in the grain pack. Yeah, you know, and, and kind of the reason I put that in there is I have 20 plus elves. A lot of them produce mana, but a lot of them are just utility elves. For example, I do have a elvish lyrist in here here, which is a green tap, sack it, destroy target enchantment. Mm -hmm. It's just in there for enchantment removal, but it's a one drop and it doesn't do anything until I need to get rid of that enchantment. Right. At least this way, I could tap it you for mana. You can tap it for mana, yeah. Um, and if you have some errant angels out that you're just trying to power into bigger yep. angels or bigger threats, I think this gets a lot of the work that the deck Correct. needs. Yeah, and, yeah I, I totally agree. My first one is Amulet of Vigor. Uh, so <laughs> I, I absolutely... The Mr. The Mr. Combo pet card. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this card so much. So for you guys, as Big Tuck says, playing the home game. Don't know what this card is. It's an artifact. It's one cost, which is another reason I love it. Whenever a permanent enters a battlefield tapped and under your control, untap it. To me, that is just, when I first started building my EDH decks, I think I put that in every single yeah, deck. most of them, definitely. Including Alter of the Brood. Um, yeah. I, pretty much oh, those. We'll talk about that We'll, we'll later, talk about yeah. that a little bit later. <laughs> but you know what? I, those two cards I would put in every single deck because they're one drops. They're color neutral, so they can go in mm -hmm. anything. And for the most part, what are you doing in Commander? Playing permanents. And a lot of times there's stuff that make your permanents come in tapped. So the big thing with Amulet of Vigor, specifically with this deck, is Karametra's ability says, bring that Forester Planes into the battlefield tapped. And I do have, I believe, nine lands out of the 33 that just enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah. So you play Amulet of Vigor turn one, and then you never have to worry about those lands coming in tapped. Plus, that can not, it's, it's more of a non-bow to where you play a one or a two drop. It'll go grab that Forester Planes. It'll come in untapped, and then you can rinse and repeat that process. Definitely. That's very, very nice. Plus, the big thing is as more and more cards are printed that oppress your opponent's board states, yeah. like a Thalia that says whenever sure. a non-basic land or creature enters the battlefield under your opponent's control, it comes in tapped. This gets around that. So, yeah, that's my first one. Uh, I think it's great in any type of deck that does a multi- tap enter the battlefield effect but it's also for you guys playing the budget game at yeah home. this is a 25 <laughs> it's, it's decidedly a 20, not budget it's a 25 dollar card but you can have all of your lands in the deck be budget yeah so you can afford to have one 25 dollar card and a bunch of 50 cent lands opposed to you know spending 800 dollars on lands just to make sure they don't enter the battlefield tap no i agree and there's a lot of effects there's creatures the red praetor has everything cut and tap yep. there's a bunch of stuff in, in death and taxes decks that stat like stacks effects stacks sure. that make you tap stuff down so yeah, I, I think so. I'm not as hot on it as putting it in every deck, but I think it serves a lot of utility sure, in this deck as sure. well. Absolutely. What's, what's your number two card? Um, so this one I think is a bit of a sleeper for an elf. It's Essence Warden. It's one green for a creature. It's an elf shaman. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you gain a life. Yep. So I think that this deck can get targeted as soon as people start figuring out what you're doing. Sure. People are going to try, try to slam into you. Okay. And if you can't get the angels out as quickly or if you have a bit of a slower game, I feel like this card could give you a little more length in how long okay. you can go. You know, you play a bunch of one drops, you gain a bunch of life, and going back to it, it's any creature. Sure. So if you're playing another creature heavy deck, if you're playing something that's an elves deck or playing a yeah. heavy token deck, oh, absolutely. you're just going to be raking it in. And once you get above, I think 
this might have happened on a game on Sunday. Once you get it out early, people kind of forget about it, and then you're sitting at 60, 70 light, sure. and you can take hits. You know, yeah, yeah come in, come in with your ten tens. Or, or at that point, your opponents almost get discouraged. They're like, yeah. well, "What's the point of me even right. swinging it's a drop, at you? It's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Life. I'll, yeah, I'll put you at sixty three. You're still at sixty. Totally. Yeah. So I don't know how much play this gets in a lot of elf decks, but I think this is definitely one of the sleepers on it. So that's really funny that you talk about that because really the only reason I even have it in the deck for the most part is it's an elf. It's, and a, it's one a one drop, drop. and Karametra that lets me go get a land. Yeah, totally. And the life gain aspect we'll get to a little bit later because I actually I think that's an effect that I don't have enough of in the deck to where it's like the the two or three or four cards that do it. Really? I should almost cut it because I don't do a life matters in this deck. And this deck, for the most part, doesn't get the hate until... I'm established. Yeah, you're right with your vigilance really with that's, a, that's a fair point. So uh, just, that, that's interesting that you talk about again, that. Again, I just like it. It's a one drop. It comes out quick. Sure. Gaining life. It's an elf. I think it plays a lot into keeping this deck afloat, keeping this deck moving. Yeah, yeah. Totally fair, man. Uh, so my number two card is Growing Rights of Itlamok. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're not familiar with this, it's a legendary enchantment. Totally. Two colorless and a green. When it ETBs, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them, put it into your hand, the rest on the bottom in any order. And then at the beginning of your end step, if you control four more creatures transform it into it lamont cradle of the sun becomes a legendary land tap for a green or tap for a green for each creature you control basically a guy's cradle but in mm-hmm. my opinion better because guy's cradle is worthless if you have no creatures <laughs> this at yeah. least taps for something if you can't afford a 350 dollars guy's cradle i think this does a really good job sure. imitating it uh, it's got a good end of the battlefield effect it's i think it's borderline a green staple yeah if yeah. you're playing a green creature deck which most of them are so yeah i, I totally agree with that yeah some reasons i have it in my deck and i know the whole edh community is going to hate me for saying this I'm not a big card draw guy. I don't yeah. like slotting yeah. stuff into my decks just yeah, yeah, to draw yeah. cards, and that's it. That's to why me, Harmonize isn't in this build, yeah? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so Growing Rights is perfect because it feeds into the ramp, and it gets me card selection. So either early game, where I don't want eight or nine drop Angels or Eldrazi's, play it. Filter some of that stuff to the bottom. Go, you know, go get me mm-hmm. uh, something more affordable to cast. Or late game where it's like, God, if I draw one more one drop elf, I'm going to tilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I can get that big creature if I need to. So that's really kind of why it's in there. You know, a it feeds a little bit of card selection, but at then the same time, by turn five, I'm gonna have the four more creatures. It's right. not an issue. And then I got another guy as cradle because uh, I do have that in the deck. And you know what? For seven dollars, yeah, it's, well, it's not, worth it. not not a bad card. Okay, going into my last section on the grain bill, I uh, had some questions around this one, okay. and I was hoping that you might be able to explain it to me. <laughs> All right. So we're going to look at uh, Naga Vitalist. Naga, Naga, not going to work here? Damn it. I was also going to say <laughs> Naga, Naga, not going to work in this deck, question mark? So it's a one colorless, one green for one, two Naga Druid, Yep, which isn't a snake, which is crazy. Tap to add to your mana pool one mana of any type that a land you control could produce. Correct. It's not an elf. Correct. Nor is it an angel. Correct. So what are we Uh, doing here? (laughs) So kind of the thought process behind that is I need to continue to add cards in here that do mana ramp on bodies because that feeds sure. into Karametra. So I want to say when you organize this deck list and tapped out by creature, I'm at like 40 plus. Right. And so Naga isn't going to color fix me. It's going to color ramp me. It's like if I'm needing a white, it's not going to get me that white. But if I need three white and I have two white sources, it could potentially get that. So white. I'm going to do unprecedented in our podcast. I'm going to give you a card. 
Oh no. To replace this. Okay. Okay. This just came out in War of the Spark. Paradise Druid. Colorless and a green for an elf druid. Okay. It has hexproof as long as it's untapped. Oh yeah, this card. Tap and add one mana of any color. Fair enough. It's a two one. All right. So, okay, I saw I wanted to I put that Naga in for the Naga Naga work your joke. <laughs> and I was thinking you could cut that for another elf and i was like what what does this but could potentially do it better okay so this is my gift to you there Mr. we go Combo. all right unless unless so uh, unless you're like in case someone's running horrible anti-elf packages i want a <laughs> naga in here that does something so anyways no, no, just want to yeah. make sure uh, honestly i just lo- i love a body that's a one two yep. so that way it doesn't get hit with a negative one negative sure. one something uh but you know what I, i'm more than happy to try it out Let, let's just see let's do so, it that's okay. into my grain so my last one is elvish arch druid Love yeah, this card. It's really good. Uh, so if you're not familiar with it, it's an elf druid creature. It's a 2-2, two, two, one colorless green green. Other elves you control get plus one, plus one. Ah, eh, whatever. What it really does is tap, add a green to your mana pool for each elf you control. Like I said, I got 20 plus, now 21 plus with Paradise Druid uh, elves in the deck. So regularly this card will tap for five, six, seven mana. Just It's great. Yeah. And, and I think it's uh, almost three bucks. So it's not expensive at all. So if you're running an elf tribal or trying to figure out how to do that, Elf Arch Druid needs to go into yeah, the deck. Yeah, it's really good. And again, the this turns elves from just being chump blockers. If yep. you have any un if you have any that are untapped at the end of your turn into something that can actually stop tokens, trade for good value, definitely that sort of thing. Yeah, so no, it's, it's phenomenal. Cool. Let's uh move on to the board state and the hot profile. Uh I'll kick this one off. Yeah, please do. So my first one is actually Acroma's Vengeance. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, if you're not familiar <laughs> with this card, four colorless white, white sorcery, destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments, but it also has cycling three, which means you can pay three mana, discard this card at instant speed from your hand, and then you get to draw a card. The reason I have it in the deck is flexibility. Yeah. I can use it if my board is solid just for the draw effect, because like I said, I hate card draw specific cards. Uh, or I can wipe all the relevant things, granted, not including planeswalkers, because it is an old card. Yeah. Could there be a newer, more relevant option? Probably, and honestly, <laughs> this is probably one I am open to swapping out. But funny thing, this is the type of thing that works very well with one of my yeast cards that does a little something called indestructible to all my permits. Sure, yeah, yeah. So it is kind of a one-sided board wipe for me, hurts my opponents. But you know what? I'm, I guarantee there's something better out there. This is definitely on theme because how many other Acroma cards do you have in here? Right? True. Uh, I'm looking right here, like Acroma's Memorial. That might be it, but it's all about elves. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Acroma yeah, thing. I got Acroma's Memorial. Ah, gah, gah. In the Vorthos of Magic, sure. she's a very popular character, has a lot to deal with things. So yeah. if you're trying to keep it on theme, it's definitely still angel sure. theme. So yeah, very, yeah fair, it's man. great. What's your first one? So uh, I'm actually sort of cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I have two that fill the same slot. Uh, that's fine. I do that later also. Okay, cool. So mine is the sister pair of oh, Bruna, there we go. the Fading Light, yep. and Gisela, the Broken Blade. Okay. So well, I'm going to go through these ones pretty quick. Um, sure. Bruna, the Fading Light, is a 5-7 is a legendary creature angel horror for five colorless and two white. When you cast her, you may return target angel or human creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Broken. Broken. Well, uh, it's, is it broken for seven mana? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's, it's extremely fair costed. And then also it's flying and vigilance. So yep. we have talked about recursion in this deck and we probably will later as well, yep. but this is going to hit something massive. Usually, right? It's usually not going to hit a Sarah Angel or something like those lines. Sure. This is going to be something that's really big. Um, and then her sister, Gisela, the Broken Blade, is two colorless, white, white, for a 4-3 legendary creature angel horror as well. Flying, first strike, lifelink, 
all awesome, right? You're getting so much value just for that. But the trick is, at the beginning of your end step, if you own control of both Gisela and Bruna the Fading Light, exile them and then meld them into Brisella Voice of Nightmares. That's <laughs> unreal. And a lot of people talk about the meld mechanic and how, oh, it never happens. Incorrect, because I believe you've seen this yep. in person, right? I, I think I've done it twice. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, Priscilla, when you meld them together, it's a flying <laughs> first strike, vigilance, lifelink, anything 910. Else? Anything else? Uh, oh, yeah. And then it also says your opponents can't cast spells with converted man costs three or less. Oh, God. So, it shuts down a lot of targeted removal. It's just great. I think this really works. This is like one of the best decks for this combo. <laughs> I've never actually seen it. They both work really well on their own. We talked about the lifelink package. Casella yep. gets that recurring for sure. you. Bruna even gives you recursion to pull back something like uh, an Avacyn or Angel of Serenity, which I'm sure we'll talk about later too, but I love it. I, th- yeah, I well, think it does everything that the deck wants to do. You, you know what? They're uh, angels, so that they, they fit the theme. Yep. And if you're familiar with magic, Angels are usually typically high casting costs, mm-hmm. but a lot of times, especially the older ones, have very lackluster abilities. Yeah. So when this came out in Eldritch Moon, it was just a boner fest 95 for me. And this is a slight tangent, but the, I think one of the first angels, or maybe the first angel that was Sarah Angel got printed, yep. right? For five, three colorless, white, white. It was Flying Vigilance 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. And it's bizarre to think that now there's a four drop that has Flying First Strike and Life Link. Yeah. It's it's crazy yeah. just to think that how much this has changed. So anyways, oh, yeah. those are the ones I was like most excited to talk about. Well, and, and the funny thing is that I'm going to piggyback on something you just said. That Graveyard Recursion package that we'll get to later, that's actually my number two spot with Amiria Shepard. Mm, uh, yeah, if you're yeah, not yeah. familiar with Amiria Shepard, also a five colorless white-white. Like I said, angels are expensive. Uh, it's a Flying 4-4, four, four, but it has Landfall. Landfall is an old mechanic that you don't see a ton anymore. Wizards almost seems to re like uh, edited it. Instead of saying landfall, they're just like, when a land enters the battlefield, but they mm-hmm. don't actually say landfall on the card. Yeah, I yeah. don't get it, but whatever. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may return target non-land permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. If that land is a planes, not basic, not non-basic, just a planes, you may return that non-land permanent straight to the battlefield instead. I love this card, mainly because if Amiria Shepard is out and you got Karametra, you can pick and choose. Do you want the stuff to your hand? Do you want it to the battlefield? Something like Bruna, if she's in your graveyard, her text that Sam just talked about says cast Bruna. Right. So maybe I'm going to go get a forest, put that forest on the battlefield, return Bruna from the graveyard to my hand, then play Bruna, get Gisela out of the graveyard, and then there we go. We and got there we Mel- go, Melvin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it just feeds into this kind of land matters, but it's kind of not. And the one thing that I wanted to make sure I had in the deck is some sort of graveyard recursion, but I didn't want to rely on it. This yeah. deck is not a sacrifice stuff for value. It's just if I just happen to play a mill player... I have ways to get stuff out. And then another way that you can combo with it, and we'll talk about this card a little bit later, is Defense of the Heart. Right. It's a great enchantment. When it sacrifices, you get stuff. It goes to the graveyard. Up. Let's go play a plane. So let's get it back to the battlefield. Do it again. Yeah, totally. I think it fits on all cylinders. Definitely. Uh, What's your last one? This one I am a huge fan of. And I think it may be staple status. It's Tolzmere Wolfblood. Oh, yeah. There you go. So four colorless, uh, green and white. It's a legendary creature, elf. Warrior, very important. It's a 3-4. Other green creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Other white creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Then tap it, and you get a puppy. Uh, Create a legendary (laughs) 2-2 green and white wolf creature token name Voja into play. The goodest of boys. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. I'm more of a cat guy in IRL, if you will. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, it's an adorable puppy. So question for you, Mr. Combo. Yeah. Is this not just an immediate slam in Slesnia decks? Most of them? I would say, yeah. Probably the only deck I so I do have one other Silencia deck uh, for for the crowd, and I won't we won't do a deck. But it's about it. cats. It is a cat deck. <laughs> I also I, have it, it and it's, it's also it's, garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I wouldn't put Tolsmere in there just because yeah. I'm trying to do cat tribal and yeah. that just defeats. Granted, totally. this is an angel elf tribal and I got some non-angels and elves. But, it's, but it is an elf and I, Correct. and I think it has a lot of utility too where if you have it, that ability, the tab ability is at instant speed, right? Yeah. So you can block, create it, make another guy to swing back on. I just think it's great. I think it does a lot. Again, goes back to being an elf. The legendary status on the token, some people will probably poo-poo, but still, you're creating a 4-4 four, four yeah. off of a 3-4. Well, you know what? Actually, I like it because I can swing with Voja oh, sure. and yeah, then yeah. create the token so I now have an untapped thing because I have to sacrifice right. the other one. So actually, yeah. I like it. And it's like the monkey token. Yep. Same thing. Yeah, Absolutely. totally. Cool. All right, for my last one, I got Linvala, Keeper mm. of Silence, which yep. uh, you talk about staples. I kind of feel like Linvala's almost a staple in white EDH decks, and we'll talk about why. So Linvala, if you're not familiar with her, she is an angel, two colorless, white, white, flying, three, four. Activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated. And I think a big distinction here is it doesn't say non-mana Abilities. Correct. It's anything. Anything activated, which if you're not familiar with that, it's anything that requires a mana cost to be paid or a tap symbol yep. on the card. Here's the reason I'm a big proponent of this card and why I slammed it in this deck. Our buddy that moved to California that we've talked about in the past, his pet deck was Brea. Mm. And if you're not familiar with Brea, <laughs> you can sack some artifacts, yeah, pay yeah. some mana, and do a lot do of everything. shitty things <laughs> with your friends. And so I put Linvala literally in there to shut her up. Yeah, uh, We play Commander. Th this is what this podcast is about. This is why you're listening to it. And I would like to venture that a lot of the commanders that you see at your local LGS, at kitchen tables, just sitting at the park, wherever you decide to play, I bet you 75% of those commanders have an activated ability. Yeah. This card shuts that down, and then it becomes really difficult for them to interact with it unless they have their specific removal spell. Right. At four mana, she's very efficient. The way that I ramp in this deck, even without Karametra, I can get her out turn two, turn three mm -hmm. a lot of times. Um, I just think... She is an auto-include in white EDH decks just because of who you're playing against. And even if you look at the cards that we talked about earlier, this shuts down Song of Fraley's yep. completely. This shuts down your Paradise Druid there. Yep. This shuts down a part of Tolismere. Elvish Arch Druid. Yeah, all of them. So, yeah, I agree. My only counterpoint, Mr. Combo, is the no-limit player in poker. I am the $5 table, if you will. This card has snuck up there in price. I think yep. now it's reaching at 22 something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. So well, it's a little on the heavy side just for having a $22 card in every yep. white deck. I would agree if you have the budget for it, this is just another thing, just like Thalia, those sort of like sax effects. Sure. Totally agree. So yeah, this, yeah, this can shut, shut down a lot of commanders. This shuts down a lot of ramp. If you're playing against someone that's playing a mono green sort of elves build or a Rice of the Redeem as Squee is very familiar with, this, this can definitely put a damper in their plan. Yeah, and, and I will say this, guys. Yeah, 20 plus dollars, it is expensive. This is not a finance podcast, but just looking at Goldfish and looking at the, the money trend, this card has only gone up in yeah. price. It has totally. never dipped. So I would say if you could trade for one, you know, if you have a Magic Fest coming locally to you and you probably have some random rares that you're never going to touch, get one. Yeah. May not have a deck for it now, but it's something that will really help you out. It goes in Death and Taxes. It yep. goes in a Queen Marchesa sort of build that's political. And apparently 
goes one into of them. a Silencia angel. Angels. Deck. But it's an angel, so yeah, yeah it, it totally works. All right. So uh, for the next thing, this is how you're going to close out, win the yep. game, the yeast package. Big Tuck, start us off. What's your number one? And, and again, the yeast, this is what kind of gives the beer the final push into it. Because it's carbonation, kind of makes it a little more unique. Yep. So these are no order. Um, but the first one, and it's only because I've been housed by this card several times <laughs> in uh, Plane Chase, mostly. It's Beasts of Burden, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> Record scratch? Oh, so, yeah. Okay, so uh, this card hasn't been reprinted since 7th edition. It's currently 46 cents. So Beasts of Burden is a six colorless artifact creature. Beast of Burden's power and toughness is equal to the number of creatures in play. I have no idea how this works, how consistently this works, or whatever, but I've seen this this card single-handedly win games. Mr. Combo plays this in quite a few of our plane chase decks because it is consistent. It kind of goes with the ebb and flow of yeah. the chaos of plane chase. You know, you're, you're not trying to bank on one specific strategy. And there has been multiple times where there's been a warp world effect, and it plops down, and this is the biggest creature by a, a mile. By a mile. Now, granted, it doesn't have trample. It doesn't have any of these other yeah. things. But again, it's just, it is what it is. It's a it, piece it, of burden. And, and you know what's funny? That's actually my second yeast card that I was going to really? talk about. But I have it comboed, and we'll just go ahead and go into this, because I think these two cards play together. Sure. The one that I had paired with piece of burden was Malamo Maro Sorcerer. Malamo's my second card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Malamo, uh, yeah, it's an for elemental, it. four colorless, green, green, green. Trample at least has that. 58 cent card, so yeah. not expensive. Coming at you from 10th edition? 10th edition, I think. I yeah, think. Yeah. But it's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands I control, which right. with Karametra, I could probably say I can't count the number of games that I've ran out of basic uh, lands to go, go fetch. fetch. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I've seen that happen I'll, before, I'll, I'll have like 20 or 30 basics on the battlefield and just be like, well, here I am. Yeah. Uh, and so this guy will regularly be a 2020 plus power creature yep. kind of like with beast of burden will regularly be a 2020 plus power creature right here's the thing though neither one of them fit the theme of my deck but they do tie into another yeast card. I hope to God you're not talking about this one. I'm not talking about this one, but I'll mention it because it does tie into it. Acroma's Memorial. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I, when I was looking at this deck, there were some cards where it just makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And, and Acroma's Memorial plays both and, into and both Just to give you guys just an idea, yeah. Acroma's Memorial just says creatures you control have flying, first strike, vigilance, trample, haste, protection from black and red. So the flying and the trample and the haste kind of help out those two cards because they're massive beaters. Right. And that, that way they get a little bit of evasion. The haste is nice because a warp world happens right and then yep. just plop and yep. well i'm just gonna Here murder we go. someone so that was actually my my number two is there anything you wanted to add to the <laughs> no not at all i forgot so there's a couple of cards that have the power and toughness equal to number of lands i didn't remember which one it was so when i first looked at this build i kind of forgot malamo had trample yeah, yeah. and then i looked at it again it's like yeah this is really good yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> really good. so my first one for this yeast package is a so wait a you had you had beast of burden and and malamo okay, gotcha, as yeah. my number two sure. So the first one that I wanted to talk about is a two-piecer again because they kind of do the same thing. Okay. Defense of the Heart and Tooth and Nail. Yeah, so sure. So to give you guys a little insight, Defense of the Heart is an enchantment, three colorless green. At the beginning of your upkeep, and if opponent controls three or more creatures, I just want to pause here. It doesn't say three or more creatures than you control. Just yeah. three or more creatures. Sack Defense of the Heart. Search your library for up to two creature cards and then put them straight to the battlefield. Shuffle your library. Well, you know, that lets you go get things like... Uh, some of my big angel beaters, Avison Angel of Hope, Sagarda Host of Herons. You'll get the melding angel. I'm gonna stop you right there. Avison was my third pick. <laughs> so <laughs> 
but we'll get, we'll get, we'll get, into, we'll get into, that. into it. Uh, but yeah, you know, you can go get the melding angels for all yeah. I care. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, totally. boom, right there. So defense of the heart, broken card uh, in this deck, totally. Especially when, like earlier, guys, we kind of talked about one of my hops cards, Amiria Shepherd, and another hops land that I had in there, Amiria the Sky Ruin. Right, allows you guys with land matters enter the battlefield, pull stuff from the graveyard, so you can do defense of the heart over and over and over. Yeah, totally. Tooth and Nail, we actually talked about in the last, last podcast, uh, yeah. so we won't go too in-depth with it, but it's five colorless green, green sorcery. Choose one. Search your library for up to two creature cards. Reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle. Or put two creature cards from your hand onto the battlefield. Or you can pay two more colorless and do both, which, of course, you're going to do that. Right. So, and I know, think we, we don't really need to go too deep into Tooth and Nail. No, it's great. Basically, both the cards do the same thing. Yeah. Search your library for two creature cards, put them onto the battlefield. And that just allows you to get a mana efficient, because potentially you'd be doing this stuff turn four. Which, if you turn for an Avacyn and Sigarda, I feel like you pretty much yeah. win the game. And again, Defense of the Heart, it's kind of the opposite of the Song of Freilis, where this will usually eat some sort of yep. removal. Yeah, it, it, if this Nine times lives, out of ten, yeah. it just is because your opponents are unlucky and they don't have that removal in their hand. Totally. So, so yeah, I think yeah. it works. I mean, again, they're both great utility cards. They work a lot in this. I'm really glad you don't get, like, Vorn clicks and something else. Yeah. So it's well, I'm, that's, a, that's another deck Maybe later. I should add that to my TCG buy list. Boom. <laughs> All right, what's your last one for a uh, yeast? So I, I mentioned earlier, I really try not to talk about cards that are really good and just go in every deck, but I had to bring it up because it just happened <laughs> last Sunday how this ravaged us. But then it backfired again. Yeah, it totally because, backfired. Because okay. our friend Davis stole it from yeah. me. So Avacyn Angel of Hope, most people are familiar with this one, but for those who aren't, uh, it's five colorless, three white, which is a pretty oppressively high mana cost. Yeah, kind of like Iona Shield of Emeria was nine. Ooh, maybe this one's next up. It won't be. So flying legendary creature angel on theme, flying vigilance, indestructible. Other permanents you control have indestructible. It's an eight eight. Yep. I mean, what like there's really not much to talk about. Yep, yep. This arguably could be put into any white deck that has ramp to get there. Yeah. Or has some way to reduce the cost or cheat it out. Kind it's, of like Iona. It's a real it's a really bad commander. <laughs> oh god, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. So horrible. I don't understand how there are any commanders as the commander yeah. were Iona or uh Avicen, or even a Chroma, because I think a Chroma costs eight. Yeah. Um, any any angel that's just eight and it's mono white that is a garbage commander yeah, it's, because white is the worst at ramp. Avacyn and I played when we were at MTG Fest I played someone who had an Avacyn deck and he got Lantax he got the Orsco, yep. the Cat Explorer we don't need to go into those two because it's this is a tangent but we never saw it I think I played him twice and I never saw it yeah. even come close to casting but it's great if you have it if you have what is it well this is also the judge promo so right. it's like so, 39 bucks I think normally though it's 30 isn't it I mean, uh, you know what uh, I'll check as I start yeah. mine. All right, guys. So for my last one, I have Angelic Skirmisher for my East Yeah, it's, and this it's is really probably good. Probably one you haven't heard of. It's a sleeper for sure, yeah, but it's, it's and, really good. And this is a. I think they even sold these in like those Target promo boxes. Like they, this, the one I have is a promo one from a pro, promo Target I box th- for like a dollar sixty. I have a feeling you. Might, there was a time where they put these into like the free packs you'd get at yeah, local game stores, I but I, but still. So Angelic Skirmishers, four colorless, white, white, not cheap. 4-4 Flying Angel. But here's the big thing. Yeah. At the beginning of each combat, repeat, at the beginning of each combat, combat guys, <laughs> choose First Strike, Vigilance, or Lifelink, and creatures you control gain that ability till end of turn. So traditionally, the way that I play this card is on my combat, it's Vigilance. Vigilance, yeah. And that way I have blockers. 
And then on each of my opponent's combats, depending on what they have across the board from me, I'll either pick First Strike or Lifelink. Yeah. If their stuff's a little weak, but maybe they just outnumber me and they're just trying to get a little something through, I'll go Lifelink. I'll beef, I'll beef right, that yeah, up, whatever. Yeah. But if it's kind of big stuff, I'll go First Strike and start combo blocking on them if needed. It's great. It's utility. It gives me flexibility, and it's on theme. Yeah, So I agree. This card, there's been very few occasions. I've run this in a couple decks as well. There's been very few occasions where I played it, and it didn't immediately do something. Yep. Either that turn, you know... You have a bunch of sapper lanes or something along those lines. Sure. Give them flying, push them through. Great for blocking. Yeah. I'm on board. Awesome. So our, our last category for the deck tech is spice package, which pretty much is just flavor. What yeah. is just flavor for the deck? And I believe your comment earlier in the deck tech means we both picked the same one. On three, let's say it. Three, two, one. Alter, Alter the, the brood. brood. I did not want to choose this. <laughs> I, I do not think this belongs in here, but it works too well. I can't. <laughs> Let me preface this. Okay, so earlier in the earlier in the conversation, Senor Combo Numero Cinco made mention of this goes in every deck. I do not agree with that. But I have to give him props. This definitely goes in this deck. Yeah. It's, I mean, stu- it's, it's stupid. So and, good. Well, and it's again. Normally, a mill package doesn't matter. Well, well here, read the card. Yeah, okay. yeah let, let's read this I'll, card. I'll read, I'll read the card you, you first. You can tell yeah. that Big Tuck's reliving images. This this card has never won me the game, but it has pissed off enough it's of my so, opponents. Oh, my God. It's been so bad. Um, so, Alter the Brood is a one drop. It's from cons. It used to be 50 cents, and now it's climbing three. It yeah. goes back, but it goes back and forth. You had yeah. a... You had one, you had a weird foiled copy that you didn't even know you had that was worth $6 at one point. I think it's worth three. Sure, why not? Anyway, so whenever another permanent, repeat, another permanent (laughs) enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent puts the top card of his or her library into his or her graveyard. (laughs) I love it. It's so dumb. I had this in Prosh for a long time for for similar reasons. So on the surface of it, when you look at this and this deck... It's not a mill theme. There's nope. nothing else for it. There's nothing nope. stealing anything. No. Nope. But where the trick is, is with Karametra. Yes, because sir. Because every creature you play, someone's milling two. And that it's there are times where that is beneficial, but most of the time, and like I said, you play this a lot during plane chase, you just lose out on everything that you want. Yeah, and, and here's kind of where I look at it, guys. A lot of times, if I get Alter the Brood late in the game, I'll usually discard it. But if it's turn one, turn two, it's great because here's the thing. It's non-threatening enough because everyone knows this is not a mill deck. They're not going to waste their targeted removal on this card. Unless you're me. Unless you're Big Tuck (laughs) last week because he knows the damage I know. I just know what happens. Yeah, I I would say regularly when I get this card out in the first three to four turns. It it probably stays the entire or close to the entire game. It'll mill something like a total of 50 to 60 cards between three opponents somewhere yeah there. that's probably yeah, fair yeah 15 yeah. to 20 cards a person, a person yeah um because here here's a kind of interesting thing like big tuck just said say i cast paradise druid well that's one mill well she's gonna go get me a land off karametra's ability that's my second mill and then i have other cards that have landfall abilities like the amiria shepherd well maybe sure. i'm pulling another permanent out that's another mill or i have another one like amiria angel that says whenever a land enters the battlefield under my control create a one one bird that's another yeah, mill. that's another mill. There, there, uh, 
Minimum. What, what, usually, what elves? Two colorless and a green. Go get a land. Yep. If you have, if you have Karametra out, that's three. three. Yeah. I mean, regularly <laughs> I'm getting between two and three mills per creature that I'm playing. Uh, plus, you got your land for turn and, and all of that. Kind yeah, of stuff. totally. So yeah, it, it, it's it's it has nothing to do so with fun, the theme so of funny. the deck, but it, it's just perfect. And then the last thing I'll say on the spice, we're not going to talk in depth about it, but I'm just kind of curious your overall thoughts. Like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I do have several life gain themes in there. Like Angelic Chorus is in here, Archangel of Thune is in uh-huh. here, Riot Control, Trosteni, Silencia's voice, and then you know you mentioned the uh, the Elva Elfa Elva not going to work here anymore. Essence Warden. <laughs> Essence Warden. Yeah, we'll get. Do, do you think there's enough life gain in here to actually keep that stuff in? I'm just curious your your shower thoughts. Oh yeah, I think. Most of them are good. I think the ones that matter the most are the ones that deal with creatures entering the battlefield. Okay. And I actually will talk about this a little more during our cut section. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Well, guys, I think for the most part, that's going to wrap up our grain hop, yeast, and spice packages. Next thing we're going into is our three recommendations. Just to kind of give you guys an idea, me and Big Tuck are going to look at this deck and pick one that's under five bucks, under 50, and then just a personal recommendation. The only restriction is we will not talk lands, which, let's be honest, usually with my decks, lands aren't the issue. Although uh, I I noticed you don't have the... Savannah? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's because I took all my Savannahs and put them in all my five color decks. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, So, Big Tuck, start us off. What's your under $5 addition, and what would you cut for it okay so my under five dollar edition is wildest dreams wildest dreams it's great this card's definitely a sleeper so uh it's from kaldesh kaldesh there it is thank you so it's xx and a green return x target cards from your graveyard to your hand exiled wildest dreams the card i would cut for this would be revive Okay. So Revive is a colorless and a green return target green card from your graveyard to your hand. For me, I feel like it's a pretty straightforward cut. Revive won't even get half your deck if you have an angel in there or anything. Uh, Wildest Dream is kind of a good utility because if you need something really bad early, you can pay three and get one back. Late game, you can pull back some big hitters. It's got a lot of space in the deck okay. they can fill. You know, the only reason I'm not a big fan of it is the double X cost, mm. and it's converted. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm usually anti that. Granted, I usually have a bunch of mana, that's, so that's so, not and, an and issue. That's, and like in this deck, I agree with you in most decks, Like, but if you're playing a deck where you have a bunch of mana, yeah. sometimes this will be a four return or even like a five return, depends on how well, late and, in the and, game it goes. And I like that recommendation, and I'll tell you why. You want to know why the only reason I have Revive, Revive in the deck? Because there's a elf on it? No, tooth and nail. Oh, sure. Tooth yeah, green tooth card. Back. Yeah, yeah. That's the only reason I have it in there. But you so. can do the same thing with. No, no. You're totally right. Yeah. So yeah. the only other one, and I was wondering about this, Eternal Witness. Oh. The, the, because, but so I, I kind of thought about that too, because it's like it only gets you one, but it's also an elf. I was about to say, is it an elf? It is. An elf. It is an elf. So that Mr. Combo be turned on. <laughs> so that's that was the thing where I kind of sure. I kind of was in the weeds about a little you. bit. So. I played Wildest Dream before, like I said. I think there's a lot of good utility in it. Okay. You can get multiple things back, but that was my first cut. Okay. So my under $5 cut is actually cutting the card I talked about earlier, Acroma's Vengeance. Really? But here's okay. what I want to cut it for. A new card printed in Modern Horizons. Kind of like a Cyclonic Rift at Sorcery oh, Speed. Oh, yeah! It's Winds of Abandon. Sorcery Speed, yeah. one colorless, one white. Exile target creature you don't control. For each creature exiled this way, its controller searches their library for a basic land card. It's basically a path to exile. But you can overload it for the exact same mana cost as Acroma's Vengeance. So they're both Sorcery Speed. Both cost four colorless, white, white. But when you overload Winds of Abandon, it exiles every creature my opponents control and give them basic lands, which yeah. I could give two flips about. 
I literally did, I had this card in my Slivers deck, did this uh, about three, four weeks ago, uh, thought I was going to lose the game, and then everyone's like, I only have four basic lands I can pull out at this point. I only have five. It, it wasn't a, oh, I just gained 15 lands. The only risk about doing this is that I am losing the enchantment and artifact removal, which that's the only reason I haven't just pulled the trigger and bought one. Because yeah. right now, Winds of Abandon is still only sitting at two bucks. When it got previewed, it was at ten. Really? So yeah, two dollars right now. I almost kind of want to buy five or six copies because I'm sure it'll go up in price over time with commander players. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the only reason I'm not. I, what are your thoughts? I mean, and it's exile, so if, yeah, it's indestructible. It's, it's tough, you know, especially because. I get where you could go either way with this, right? Yeah. So, a Chroma's Vengeance, if you get out Avacyn, it's pretty much game over, sure. right? You're you're going to have a completely new board state. The new wins card will not do that. Yep. And you have your Arashads in here. Um, yep. One colorless green, white. When a creature enters the battlefield, destroy target artifact and enchantment. Sure. You have a couple other things that can do it too. So, it's kind of 50-50. Okay. I personally would prefer a Chroma's just because sure. it gets everything. But I can, I can get See it either way. Yeah, okay. totally. So, my under 50, I'll kick this one off. I'd swap one of... Because here's the thing. Under 50, I feel like I should be picking something that's 20, 30, 40 bucks, but my initial thought was actually only a $10 card. So, so <laughs> I got, I, I got so, you even so, better. So, 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 one, I would, so the more expensive one, swap Teferi's Protection for Heroic Intervention. Teferi's Protection's two colorless white, instant speed. I basically, and me and all my permanents phase out of the game until my next upkeep. That's just a good card. Yeah. So, what's interesting to me though, is that was my under 100 swap. Oh, really? Yes, but I think the one that you should cut it for is Riot Control. Oh, okay. Because there's same same command cost. Riot control is two colorless and a white. You gain one life for each creature your opponents control. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to you this turn. I think that card's really situational. Yeah. Because if you're playing something uh, Nekazar, something where they don't really care about creatures, you sure. might sort of whiff. Hmm. Whereas I feel Teferi's protection to your point does what this card wants to do. This is a save you card, right? Yeah. This yeah, is I'm, I'm about to die. I want to be saved and okay. go from it. I think Teferi's Protection does that better. Well, here goes forty five dollars out of my wallet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would not. I would. I would leave Heroic Intervention in. Okay. I think that card's great. Okay, for a colorless and a green. Sure, everything gets indestructible and something else. So, right? so my initial under fifty though was to swap out one of the sack elves, and I know I'm losing an elf, and that's kind mm. of going against the theme because uh, I have two sack elves. One's that's against artifacts. One's against enchantments. But swap uh, swap in because I am a planeswalker slut. Frey Lee's Llanowar's oh, Fury. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's three colorless green green. Uh, came out in Commander 2014. Uh, she comes in with three loyalty, but her plus two is put a 1-1 one, one yeah. green elf druid creature token that can tap for a green. Create a Llanowar elf, yeah. And her minus two is destroy target artifact or enchantment. So it's literally filling in the spot mm-hmm. that I'd be getting rid of these elves. Yes, I'm increasing my curve from a one drop to a five drop, which that would kind of suck. But I feel like I'm going to get more utility out of this. The minus six, the draw card for each green creature you control will probably never happen. If you, if you get there, it's great. Yeah, but I'm again. literally going to every other turn destroy someone's artifact yeah. or enchantment. I would agree with that cut for yeah. sure. Okay, cool. What was your under 50? It's way under 50. Uh, it's currently it's currently, <laughs> it's currently subbing a $2 card in. So I am looking at Azuri Renegade Leader. Okay. One colorless green green. It's a legendary elf warrior for... It's a 2-2. It has two activated abilities, so Linvala shuts this down pretty good, yep. as we talked about earlier. One green, regenerate another target elf. 
pretty good, but yeah. not nothing crazy. But the real nuts thing is its overrun ability. Two colorless, three green. Elf creatures you control, include that includes Azuri, get plus three, plus three, and gain trample until end of turn. So, yeah, I think it's really good. And the cut I'd make for it is Sunblade Elf, which I know is one of your pet cards. Yeah. I know you like it. Well, the only reason, honestly, guys, Sunblade Elf, just a one green. It's a one one elf. But then if you control a plane, it gets plus one plus. Yeah. One. And it's literally just in there a, to a be drop. an elf. Yeah. And, and yeah, I totally agree. And also Sunblade Elf also has the ability of four and a white creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn. I like how it's a little cheaper, but I think Azuri kind of gives you an out, right? Okay. Because if someone keeps blasting your angels, they sure. keep hitting them in the face, right? You you end up losing all with these elves. Now you have all these one ones, and you you have a million mana from growing rights that's flipped, sure. a cradle that's flipped. Your elves arch druid, right? Sure. And then you pump fifteen mana, and all your elves now are all swinging for plus lethal. Plus nine, plus nine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, I like that. That was my that was my big one. Okay. Um, and then my last, like I said, cutting right control for Teferi's was actually my under a hundred. Okay. So you know what I kind of did for my personal recommendation. I don't know what I'm going to cut for it, but Mary's Guile. Oh, so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I had actually never heard of this card before. Really? So, yeah. So for people playing the home game, it's a one green enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in any order. It's almost kind of like a Sylvan library, mm-hmm. but without the draw. And here, here's kind of the thing. So Mary's Guile, right now I'm looking at it, a judge promo is $47. I think a Sylvan library standard is like 40 50 bucks. Something like that. I th- so the unless temp- it's dropped in price. The Tempest version. This is on. This is not on the restricted list, but it's only been printed one time in Tempest. So okay. Sylvan Library right now. You can get one of them for thirty-seven dollars. Wow, that went up. Yeah. Uh, well, so Sylvan Library, just to correct, has been printed multiple times. Correct. Fourth edition, yes. fifth edition. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking at a fourth edition, forty bucks. So here's the way I look at it, though. I, I like shiny stuff. So, yeah, I could get the Judge promo for eight bucks more on Mary's Guile. But Mary's Guile is not going to draw the hate that a Sylvan Library will. Yeah. Because you know what? Mary's Guile, it's like, okay, he's he's rearranging his yeah. top three before There's... he draws. So he's basically, since he's divining, topping it. Right. Versus, oh, he's drawing three, potentially paying eight in, life. In and green keeping, and white, yeah. Yeah, and, and keeping that. And he has these other life gain effects that I, that me personally, I just said were irrelevant. But maybe I'm going to gain that life back based on angels that I have on the right. battlefield. I feel like people are going to use targeted removal more on a Sylvan library versus a Mary's Guile. I agree. And again, it's one mana cheaper, which for this card gets you a lot more. Yep. The only thing I would say is that I think Sylvan library, if you get Mary's Guile on the late game, it's not quite as good as if you get sure. it out early. Where Sylvan Library, if you really need those last two cards yeah. to push through what you need, but I, at this point, I think it's like one or I kind of think it's like one or the other. Sure. So and, I, and I agree with you that I feel that Mirror's Guile is much less likely to yeah. eat a targeted removal. And, and the one thing is, I think it's a good point that you just made there, towards like oh, I need these two cards to push it through. I don't think this deck operates to where it's like, oh, if I got these two cards, I'm just gonna win. Yeah. It, it, a lot of times, it's like, oh, okay, I just need that Avacyn to make my stuff indestructible, or, or the Mary Shepherd. Yeah, Something you're, you're, like yours, you're generally, I would agree. I think you're looking, you're looking for like one thing, one card. Yeah. Um. So cool. Well, that's our deck tech guys for this. We're gonna finish this off with our bottle capping. Yeah. And bottle we kind of want to talk about the new commander theme leaks a little bit, and then also talk about something I never thought we would talk about: <laughs> brawl. <laughs> uh, what a garbage format. <laughs> um. So just to kind of recap, everyone, you know, Wizards did come. 
come out and say what the new themes, themes are going to yeah. be for Commander 2019. It's going to be Morph, Madness, Populate, Flashback. Big Tuck, just give, give me your quick takes. Give me your shower thoughts Sure. Yeah, some more shower thoughts. I actually did have these today in the shower. I think this is an interesting way of going about it. Yeah. So I can see this going one of two ways, right? So all of these exist currently as a specific deck. Correct. There's specific decks that exist that do exactly what this wants to, right? So, but they're not tiered. They kind of start digging through the dredges of some cards, like Big Game Hunter for Madness, um, which we'll get into in a second. So I can see it going one of two ways, right? So they either play it safe and give a lot more support to the colors that already kind of fit this archetype, Mm -hmm. or they're going to go buck wild and do wild new support and and new ideas for these. Sure. So I I was listening to a podcast uh, earlier in the week, And here's kind of what their thoughts were on it. And actually, once they said it, I was like, holy crap, this makes sense. If you remember when they kind of previewed Commander 2018 decks, and they were like, oh, it's land matters, top of deck matters. Right. But then we saw the decks, and we were like, this is garbage. It's (laughs) it's a miracle. It's not land matters. It's just like, I don't know. Land land, good stuff. Land good stuff. Um, What I think it is, is, I think Wizards is just doing a very poor job of giving us a description of what the decks are. Because they're trying to fit it into one word or a few words right. just to get us enticed and excited and hyped for it. When in reality, the decks are probably going to operate completely different. Because I think these guys went on EDH Rec, uh, fantastic site by the way, guys. Yeah, definitely. And looked at the <clears throat> amount of cards available in the current pool. Flashback, Madness, and Morph, I think all had like 100 plus cards. Right. Populate. Guess how many cards there are with Populate on the card? 25? Like 18. Really? And, a and pair- I bet they're all Selesnia. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I think they said if you bought the Selesnia guild deck from last oh, year, you, you, you pretty get much all get the good all ones, of them yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, but here's the thing that I didn't realize, and I don't know why I didn't, because I buy these commander decks every year for the last like four or five years. They only print... 15 brand new cards into Magic mm-hmm. went with for these each ones, deck. Yeah. So if Populate only has 18 cards and they're printing 15 new, new ones, ones for it, that leaves you with 33 total cards. And that's assuming you literally shoved everything Every in that deck. Every single one of them, yeah. Which we all know if you try to make something jank and you just put everything, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. So I'm actually thinking Populate is tokens matter. Token, yeah, I agree uh, with I, that. I, I think Morph is probably something more like... An Animar build where it's like so colorless creatures I, cost less or something yeah, along those I lines. I want yeah. to say surprise matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where, where you're just shocking people with what's going on. Right. And, and maybe it's Morph, maybe it's uh, Manifest, things to that yeah, nature. Yeah, sure, I agree. Uh, you know, Flashback could just be Graveyard Spells mm-hmm. matter. So I think that's really then, what it is. And to your point as well, I, wrote, I read about this earlier today. Madness is discard... Discar- mm-hmm. Like discarding matters. Correct. Like discard your opponents have no hands, you have no hands. And I think the reason Wizards didn't want to say token. I think if the other three, they could have gotten away yeah. with it. But if they would have said tokens matters, all of us would have rolled our eyes yeah, and been like, like who cares? So, so that's uh, kind of my thought. The only th- the only thing I have, the only real any sort of pseudo insight is madness. I looked at it. So there's eleven cards in white, blue, and green okay. that have madness. Most of them are blue, okay. and there's forty one in black and red. Yep. I am guessing that they're either going to do Rakdos sure. and give some more support to that, or they might go Grixis. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Blue, red, green, because Grixis, all the, the decks, they kind of spread a lot of different ways. Sure. So being able to have another kind of brand of Grixis decks that you can, uh-huh. they can put together that's, that cares about hand size and yeah. who has hands. And then the only other one I had was, I have a feeling that for Flashback, it's going to be Boros. 
Because really? they've really been trying to push with like the, sure. the, the smothering tithe and, and feather and, and feather and the two Minotaur brothers yep. were like the. I feel like they're really trying to get an option for Boros that's not just beat face, beat face, right? Yep. So I feel like that might be where the flashback goes. That's kind of cool to give support into feather, which obviously is taken off so big time. You, you've now mentioned two guilds. Do you think this is going to be guild decks? I don't feel like they can get away with doing a guild deck. I think you at least have to have three colors in there. My prediction is that they're going to have... I think it'll be four color. Because we, so? we don't have a lot, we don't of, have a lot color of four options. color support. Yeah. I don't think they're going partners again, because partners nope. is too broken. Yep. Unless it's a dedicated partner. Partner, like in Battle Bond, right? Correct. I think four color would get us all excited. Because honestly, if they had four color populate... That's a deck I'd play. I'd, I'd, I'd wait. Yeah, yeah, I'd be down with that. So they might do the thing where, because the last set was three, three colors and a two color, right? Yep. So I was almost thinking like they might do morph. They could do like morph wizards and okay. mono blue. That's getting way out there, yeah. right? And then they could have a Rakdos and a Slesnia in the <laughs> madness and populate and then do, or maybe like a three color madness deck. Sure. And then do like a two color flashback. Sure. But I, I don't know. I really hope it's. I agree with you, and you bring. I think you bring up a great point that I didn't think of. Where they say that this is the mechanic we're gonna build around, and then in reality, they just turn into. Yeah, this is a spell slinger deck that happens to be. And, and the funny theme. thing is that we all don't figure out what the deck truly is until months after. Because I right. remember everyone crapped all over Lord Windgrace when it actually got previewed. Like Lance Matter, this is garbage. Blah blah blah. Right. I think Lord Windgrace is the best precon deck out of all, all of those set, planeswalkers. Yeah. Absolutely, the only one. I, I mean, would, granted, Br- Brutaclad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was pretty but, good. So uh, yeah, I think they could play it safe and play exactly what we're going to be thinking or try to like build more support sure. try to like break a little bit of the color pie. So. Yeah, I get it. The next thing we're going to talk about is Brawl. Uh, a couple of the cards that yeah. they've talked about. Uh, Mr. Combo, get... have you ever played Brawl before? Uh, no. It's horrendous. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, so I, really I, bad, I, yeah. I got some hot takes on that. So before we actually get into the two preview cards, yeah. I want to do a little monologue on Brawl and actually why I might start playing. Okay. So here's the thing. They're bringing Brawl to uh, Magic Arena. It's going to be available online. In paper, honestly, I'm not interested no, in it. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, and the biggest reason is because it follows standard rotation. Right. And that just means I'm going to be shelling out five to $800 for this one deck that you every can't even use in a year. nine yeah. months. And that's just not fun for me. You know what? I don't mind spending a grand on an EDH deck because I can play it for life. Right. Until they ban one of the cards and Woo! it makes me cry. But you know what? On Arena... It's not, I mean, yeah, you could put money into it, but a lot of times you can just grind this, and go get silver, gold, platinum cards right. to buy the cards for free if, to build your deck. If this does get, I will agree, I completely agree. I don't play Arena right now, but if they put Brawl into Arena, the chances of me playing Arena skyrocket. Yeah, Because it's like, I can now play a pseudo commander for yeah. free when I'm at home. Absolutely. Yeah. When I'm on the toilet, taking that, <laughs> right, right, taking that right. daily taking deuce. That, taking that dump uh, at you know, work. Who so, knows? Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much why I am excited for the additional support yeah. uh, because Arena isn't something that it's like MTGO where you have to buy ticks right. and there's not really a you free can, way to do you it. You can grind. They'll give you, when they roll out Brawl to it, which they've confirmed, right? Yes. They'll probably give you an intro Brawl deck and it's yep. like, great, now I can grind out Commander as and opposed to just playing bullshit standard decks. And honestly, the whole reason I ended up, because I play Arena maybe once a week and yeah. I'm not hardcore, but the reason I initially did it is because I saw this promotion that Wizards partnered with Twitch 
uh, Prime members, right, you, get, yeah. you got a free Boros yeah, get, deck yeah. that was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, and I have was- Amazon Prime, so I get Twitch Prime for free. So I was able to get this free deck. So they do these random partnerships right. where you can get the cards for free. And they did one before that was you get Mythic Editions of Teferi. Um, oh, okay. Vraska, like standard playable planeswalkers yeah. that you can play in there, right? So yeah. I agree. I don't play Arena. I know a lot of people but that this do. Will get me into I it. would. Pl- this is something where it's like, okay, I'm sick of Overwatch. I'm sure. sick of Apex. Apex because we're not 13. <laughs> uh, that would it, this would incentivize me to activate my Arena account to yep. log in, grind out a few games, that sort of stuff. Yep, yep. I totally agree, man. Okay, so with that diatrod out of the way, they did preview. So they're basically coming out with dedicated brawl precon decks because they're. Dominaria is when Brawl came out. Yep. It failed super hard. So bad. So bad. And so now they're printing cards dedicated for Brawl in these pre-con Brawl decks, which is going to make all of us normal EDH players go buy those cards yeah. too. Um, that's good. Let's so, go into the legendary they, they spoiled first because I think that one's going to be a oh, shorter conversation. Absolutely. So here, why don't you kick that one off? Yeah, I, sure. I think her name's Chulane, Chewy, Chewy. Yeah, Col- I call it Colane, but what do I know? I used to play with a guy named John Colhane. So this is going to be a new Bant commander arguably uh, the best one it's an old per- uh, I, I think it's better know. than derevi Ooh, i don't know about that all right why don't you, why don't okay, you say so anyways, what it does okay so two colorless and bant which is green white and blue legendary creature human druid vigilance on a 2-4 body whenever you cast a creature spell draw a card then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield three colorless and tap it return target creature you control to its owner's hand how do you not think that's not broken I think it, it probably is. It's probably going to be broken. broken. Um, if you, if again, when I look at things, I don't immediately try to think how to break them. So for me, when I just looked at this, it's like it looks interesting. It pairs really nice with kind of like blue green lands matters deck, mm-hmm. like Tatiova. Uh, I think this could pave the way for a kind of Bant Druid weenies humans. Okay, where you're playing a lot of cheap creatures, drawing. You know, you get down your Cathos Crusade, you pump those up. Sure. So that'd be like the fair way to build this. So when I first saw this card. I hate to say it. So is it a Cloudstone Curio combo? Oh, uh, yeah. Like? I mean, yeah. that's a combo. But I was more going into Paradox Engine. I don't... I, well, I don't know... See ya! Well, I don't know how much the Rules Committee actually talks with Wizards. But I'm almost wondering if Wizards gets in, gets insight from them. Hey, what would be some fun legendary creatures? We want to make Brawl fun. They talk about it. And they're like, well, we have this idea... Paradox Engine with this is just as broken as it is with Urza. Urza. Yeah, you're um, right. And, and so I think you cast, this, untap, yeah. You know, initially when Paradox got banned, we're like, what the hell? It was Urza ruined it for everyone. Well, now I see this and it's like, okay, oh, now, it's starting yeah, to make a yeah, little bit point. more sense now. Oh, because you can just tap, bounce. Yeah. You play like, yeah, there's a lot of ways. You can play a creature, bounce a creature. There's like the Flashman Lion yep. where it's a colorless and a white. When, you, when it enters the battlefield, it, you bounce a creature. Then you bounce, so many, you, bounce, you bounce a zero drop creature, you play it again. Sure. Here we go. I mean, there, there's just too many broken things you can do with it. Um, I, You know, so I'm starting to get less salty about Paradox. But no, <laughs> I, I, I think this is probably the best Bant Commander out there over Derevi. And the biggest reason is because it pairs really well with, and I'm drawing a blank, it's the Simic Merfolk. Whenever land enters the battlefield, you gain a life draw card. No, Tatiova. Yeah, Tatiova. that's what we're talking about there. Tatiova. So you cast your creature spell, you draw a card, then you put a land from your hand onto the battlefield, Tatiova triggers, draw another card, card, play something, and then... Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a big value it's a, it's a very nice value engine. And um, I think Tatiova is still going to be legal in Brawl when this comes out. Maybe. Right? So yeah. that would be a big push for them. Sure. It's going to be like Dominaria, War of the Spark, um, both the, the, the new set that's coming out as well that this is in. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It's... Yeah. Fi- it's if Paradox Engine exists, this would be broken. 
probably still will be broken oh, with like Paso yeah. Curio. So yeah. it's interesting. I, I probably wouldn't build it. It's not really my place. You know what? I already have my Bant uh, Commander because I did it yeah. off the Enchantress uh, Planeswalker right. from last Commander set. So, but if I hadn't had her, right. I would totally have yeah. built that. And I did it similar with like if I didn't have Arcades already, this yep. would be something that would be exciting for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. So then the next one that they leak <laughs> is just basically going to break Big Tuck. Uh, he's never yeah. going to be able to go on another date again because all of his money is going to go into buying 59 <laughs> copies of this card. It's called Arcane Signet. So, so if good. If you're familiar with Signets in general, we actually kind of crapped yeah, on them in the last I, I episode. Agree, I agree with them. Because a normal Signet is two colorless. It's an artifact that comes down. You usually have to pay one colorless into it, and you get a guild set of colors. Yeah. Green, white. Black, uh, green, black, whatever. Wh- yeah, whatever. Yeah. So this Signet, though, is just two colorless, comes down, and just is a command tower. Yeah. Tap for one color of any color in your commander's identity. Uh, it's stupid. G- it's going to be... I mean, granted, it's a common... So but I'm hoping, 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 but the fact that it's only going to come out in Brawl decks, potentially, I mean, I think this should be an auto-include in every new commander I think, set So out. I think what's going to happen is that this is going to be, from here on in, it's like, because right now, when you get a new commander set, you get Command Tower, you get sure. Soul Ring, you get Commander Sphere, sure. which this does like a very similar copy of, so I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to be printed over and over again. I but don't that, know. But that being said, Command Tower's two bucks? Yeah. Soul Ring's five? Yeah. Uh, Commander Spheres at least a buck fifty. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that there's gonna be enough. Well, there's not enough brawl players to buy it anyways because brawl sucks. <laughs> so there's that. But like, I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping it'll settle down to like one or two bucks a piece. Here's the thing, man. Wizards and Hasbro are about making money. Yeah, fact. And I I have heard on multiple podcasts that EDH is the number one played format in and Magic. it's all and it's all secondary market and and it's all secondary yeah. market. Pushing, putting Arcane Signet only in Brawl decks are going to force Commander players to, to buy, buy a Brawl decks. You buy, you buy a Brawl deck for the $5 card in it yep. for $30 but, 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 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but then it's like, well, I got this deck. I might as well play. Yeah. And they're hoping that'll just get people yeah. to play. So that, well, you got to rise against. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Do you think uh, this really, is going to break $5? Yeah. When it, fir- when it first comes out. But if it gets reprinted in the new Commander sets. Here's the thing. If it's only in Brawl decks moving forward, I could see this being 10 bucks. Yeah. Oh, easy. Yeah. For sure. Because you, you got to think about it. This card does basically the same thing as is Command Sphere. Command Sphere is three mana. This is two mana. Two mana, yeah. Uh, granted, Command Sphere, you can instant speed sack draw a card, but I don't care. This comes out one turn earlier. Right. And I, I think it's a billion times it's, better. Yeah, so. it's going to be a big cut for old Big Tuck here. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> I well, think we bottled it up, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we bottled it well. That's pretty much concluding episode two of Brews and Builds. Thanks for making it until the end. Please leave us feedback on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you pirated this off the dark web. (laughs) Uh, If we totally suck, please roast our noggins, uh, roast our corn nuts. Uh, We we could use the criticism. But you know what? If you actually enjoyed it, please feel free to leave some positive feedback and whatever star review makes others listen to us as well. Uh, And if you'd like to reach out to us, here's how you can do that. Uh, You can get to me on Twitter at Mr. Combo number five, all spelled out except for the five. You can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well and www.cmdtower.com and we are putting together a Facebook yeah. page just because, you know, we understand that not everyone has a Twitter. Heck, I'm 31 and I just got my first Twitter. I and don't have a Twitter. Yeah, I was just about to say, how do people reach you, Big Tuck? You don't. What? Come on. Well, well, how about how about some uh, good old regular mail? Uh, yeah, you can send it to my address here in Kansas if you really want to find me. <laughs> 
Is, is that just at Kansas USA? Yeah, exactly. If oh, you okay. send it there, they know, they know what's up. They, they know what's up. And then if you want to engage our awesome production team for your own future projects, how would they do that, Squee? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, at Rich Chaos Records or richchaosrecords.com. Cool. Uh, they do music, podcasts. Uh, he does have a full studio. He even has like a blackboard wall with a weird blue Kool-Aid man and squirrels. And a Pikachu and, with that's uh, smoking a duber. A duber. Hey, that is a nondescript smoking item. <laughs> oh, I see. Legal in all states, they yeah. say. And, you know, he does have a full studio if you are local or coming into the Kansas City metro area. But you know what? He could do editing remote. So, you know, definitely hit him up if you need anything. And then, of course, I want to say thank you to Pink Royal for the music provided in this episode. You got any last thoughts, Big Tuck? No, man. I, I think this is great. Next week, we'll be coming out with a new one. Maybe a one color? Yeah, yeah. We, we're going to have to roll uh, and, and see who gets it. Hopefully, we'll pick something nice and juicy for you guys. Until next time, see ya. See you guys. Mm-hmm.